Hello and welcome to a special edition of Third Degree Burn. I'm your guest host, Kirk Greenfield. We're taking a look at She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, because it's a, um, a character and a publication that John Byrne was heavily involved in, and we see some connections between some of the aspects of the continuing, ongoing Disney Plus miniseries and his works. Sometimes they're not terribly obvious, and we're just enjoying the story anyway. So uh, that's the rationale for doing this. We're up to the eighth episode, and we're joined tonight with a reduced panel. Uh, right now, we have our regular host, Tim Elliott. Hello. And his wife. Hello. Help me with the name again. Fanula? Yep. I will never get that that's smooth. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's uh, but that, that's uh, our panel for tonight. Now, we had hoped to have the distinguished attorney, uh, Paul Spataro, here for some legal advice. However, he was uh, he was called away. I think he's been sequestered in a jury or something to that effect. He may have to show up for an additional episode later on. Also, Brian Hughes and his son, Chris, are out at a family event, and we hope to see them later on tonight uh, to join in. But uh, they may have to add their comments uh, a little bit later uh, as an appendix to this episode. So we're up to the fifth, I'm sorry, the eighth issue, uh, the eighth episode, which I don't recall the title, but uh, I can it's certainly... Ribbit and Ribbit. Oh, how could I forget that? <laughs> uh, this is, is, I have to say right off the bat, this is more traditional in terms of Marvel Comics characters coming together, having a misunderstanding engaging in a fight, resolving their differences, joining together to solve the problem or to fight the villain. And, uh, you know, that, that's been a formula, a trope, if you will, for comics for many, many years, and it works really well. I was so excited when I heard that there was going to be a leapfrog in this episode because in a lot of ways I went immediately back to Daredevil 25, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the debut of the leapfrog under the artistry of... Uh, Gene Colan. And hey, if anybody can convince you that a man wearing swim flippers with giant coils underneath could hop around like a frog, Gene Colan could do it. So I, I was kind of excited about this one. The character as portrayed is not the same, but no. that's okay. It's done in a very lighthearted manner, as a lot of the tone of this series has been. And so I, I'll tell you right up front, I enjoyed it. Um, but and it, it, we jumped right into the episode right off the bat. Uh, Tim, do you want to say anything before I launch into a synopsis of this? No, no. Well, I'm just saying that I, my knowledge of Leapfrog is from, I know he appeared in Spider-Man, and I thought he was a Spider-Man villain. I didn't realize he had debuted in Daredevil. Um, Perhaps we should clarify. There have been a couple of different people that have gone by the name of the Leapfrog, Leapfrog. or Frog Boy, or... Leapfrog 2, now that you mention it, I suspect this incarnation that we saw on the television screen is taken more from that Spider-Man vision of a nerdy kid wanting to be a superhero than the original villain that I saw uh, back in Daredevil. Maybe it's an amalgamation of both, but uh, I was prepared for, for Leapfrog to be a villain. So to cast him as the product safety complaint for a defective product um, victim uh, and a wannabe hero, you know, that's a nice take on it. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. 
according to uh, the internet, he uh, his father was I guess the original Leapfrog. His father was Vincent Patillo, who was Leapfrog, and this is Eugene. So he's going by his father's code name. Okay. Yeah. They really went over the top with this in terms of having his lily pad, his yeah. secret hideout that has, you know, neon lights uh, spelling out the name lily pad on the top. I mean, so much of this episode is tongue in cheek. Uh, at well, least the first two thirds of. Yeah. Uh, so I, just, some, I got some comments on that, but if you want to give us a quick little rundown of the synopsis. Okay. I, again, I have to confess, I did not write anything, so this is kind of off my head, off the top of my head, and if there's any um, points that I missed, jump in any time. We basically join the tale in progress as Eugene, the leapfrog, is in the office of Jen Walters to ask her to take the case for a product uh, safety via his being harmed, and he's telling a tall tale. Uh, to say that he's stretching the details um, is putting it mildly. He's tell putting himself in the best light when the visuals are, in fact, telling us another story. He's an amateur. He's a bungler. But he talks about how he had them cowed, how they outnumbered him, but he still outwitted them. Uh, you know, really talked himself up. So he's a kid with a suit. He's interrupting the theft or the apparent theft of a couple of large screen TVs after midnight from a big box store, uh, and they're in the parking lot. He bungles it. He almost gets the tar wailed out of him, um, but he does startle them. And then as he makes his escape from them, which he pitches to She-Hulk completely differently, that, that it was a strategic move. As he beats his retreat, he fires his um, jet boots, boot jets, I'm not sure what the right term for these things are, which effectively propels him into the air and allows him to soar away as he gives his trademark call, uh, ribbit and rip it. Uh, I know, it's cheesy. Anyway, the boots malfunction, and he falls to a painful impact on the asphalt, and that's about where the flashback of his adventure comes to an end. He demonstrates that he has bandages up and down his legs, he claims that he has third-degree burns. He wants to sue the costume maker. And she, Hulk, is taking notes and also being a little skeptical of it until she hears who the costume maker is. And lo and behold, it's the same tailor who is making her gala costume, her costume and her gala dress for the upcoming lawyer, Female Lawyer of the Year Awards at some gala ball. So she immediately has a conflict of interest. She goes to her superior, asks to be let out of it. The man refuses, as he usually refuses all of her requests, um, which makes me a little suspicious of him throughout this series. Put a pin on that. We'll come back to that later. Uh, he refuses to let her off the hook. He says, so sign a, a, a disclosure that you have a conflict of interest. This family is very important to us. They are major clients, they have major bucks, and we want to keep them happy. So she takes the case. They get into court. The uh, defense lawyer is tardy, but he eventually shows up in the nick of time, and lo and behold, it's Matt Murdock from New York City who's come all the way out to L.A. to be in this courtroom. And he immediately distinguishes himself with self-deprecating humor. He uh, very effectively suppress his emotion for disclosure of all the tailor's clients 
arguing that some of them are superheroes and they could be in great bodily danger if that was uh, revealed. Read between the lines. His secret identity is also at stake here. And the judge agrees. So that's suppressed. The court case progresses a little bit further until her client, Eugene, slips and mentions that he had put jet fuel in the rocket boots. And that's a clear violation of the instructions uh, that the uh, uh, the tailor, I want to say his name is Jacobson. Do I have that name it's right? Louis. 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 I'm, I'm blanking on the name too, but it's... Uh, okay. So he immediately calls him on that. Um, and at that point, She-Hulk is caught off guard by this. And the case is uh, dismissed because he, he you know, broke the rules. Now, there may be an intervening scene or two here. I don't recall exactly what it would be, except after the case is thrown out, Jen Walters is at a bar. Who should be at the same bar or walk up? But it is Matt Murdock who offers to buy her a drink. He, uh, you know, she's not unfriendly toward him, but is a little caught off guard that the opposition is making friendly. They get to talking. They hit it off. She likes him. Um, so she gets a little of his backstory, and he's explained to us by the, the actor, uh, so that those of us who aren't familiar with Daredevil or his most recent incarnation in a miniseries, uh, we're at least up to speed a bit about him, that he's from Hell's Kitchen, that he runs a pro bono law uh, operation in New York City, and he kind of makes an overture to her. And she's, she kind of blows it off. She's not really... Uh, interested or thinks that it's serious, but they part as friends when he gets an urgent phone call. Um, he says, oh, work is calling. I got to go. She also says goodbye, and I think she goes home. She gets a phone call from a very panicked Eugene who says, I'm being attacked. You've got to help me. He's going to kill me. No, hold uh, on, Kurt. I got I got to decide yeah, there. She doesn't go straight home. She gets a call and she goes meets with the. She gets a text. She gets a text from the one of her blind date or speed date. Douchey uh, guy. The douchey guy. Yep. Uh, she, we saw talking to her boss in the last yeah. episode. And they meet in a restaurant and he's complaining that he bought this Wakandan war spear. No, he's not complaining. He's hitting on her. Well, he's hitting on her, but he said he had an. That's the reason why he had an emergency was because they wanted was... the spear back. Is that right? Kind of. He says, they say it's stolen, and he's like, whatever. Yeah, and then he hits on her, and she basically... So she's there like five minutes. Yeah, that's just kind of sprinkling a little more of him in the plot. I don't get that. I don't know why he keeps... He's going to turn out to either... I don't know if he's written to be just uh, kind of a a male chauvinist jerk, or if he's got Mm -hmm. some other nefarious... uh, I think he's going to be revealed to be something more... Uh, what? I'm not sure. I don't believe he's the big bad, but I do think he is, like all of her dates, uh, are all turning out to have a, a hidden agenda. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a reveal in the next episode that the majority of the intelligentsia or the masked thugs who show up late in this episode. Sorry, I should have warned folks there are spoilers galore in this episode. Um you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all that he's going to be uh, one of those figures. And I think we're going to see Joel unmasked as one of those figures. I think most all of the people that she's been dating on that Tinder app, they're all going to be revealed as being plants from 
this uh, behind the scenes scheme. That makes sense. I'm also a little bit uh, intrigued. He's talking about this Wakanda spear that is extremely sharp. And he was talking about, can your skin be pierced by, did he say uh, vibranium? Somebody asked if it, yeah. And that may have, well, that we think led to the, that super syringe we saw two episodes ago. That somebody there may be com- there may be competing factors that are trying for for uh, She-Hulk's blood. Um, they may not all be on the same team. They may be trying various routes that, in fact, everybody that we've met, they all may be angling to get a sample of her blood because they all know how how extremely valuable and useful it could be. So are we up to speed now? Back yeah, to, well, uh, you need to go back to... Uh, after she leaves the bar with him, then she goes home, takes her shoes off, and then that's when she gets a call from Eugene that he's being attacked. Uh, so she, has... she she tries to figure out where is he he's at. The, the kid is obviously panicked. He's driving while his windshield is being shattered, while people are, are trying to get into the van that he's driving as he's making this call. Why he doesn't call 911, I'm not sure, but the end result is... Jen rises to the occasion. She says, where are you? And she shows up. Is it the parking garage? I'm not sure, the but she's somehow... the parking garage. She kind of she jumps in front of his that. car, and he runs into her. And so the figure that's on top of the vehicle rolls off and goes flying. And when this first came down, I thought that was Eugene who was thrown from the vehicle. But it's not. The figure stands up, and it's Daredevil. In costume. In new red and yellow costume. Red and yellow or black and uh, gold. Um, at any rate, it's not the traditional red, but it is mm-hmm. apparently the new costume that we saw the cowl a couple of episodes ago being worked on. Uh, so there he is. They have a misunderstanding. They tend to tussle and fight. Uh, She-Hulk way outclasses him in terms of strength, but he's extremely nimble. He dodges her blows, tries to keep after Eugene, and winds up um, almost getting away, if I get my scenes correct, until she slams her hands together for a sonic shockwave, which blows him off his feet and almost deafens him. Very easily, without much to do, she strides over to him, picks him up, grabs his cowl by one hand, and unmasks him. Boy, if it's that easy to unmask Daredevil, I'm surprised somebody hasn't done this before. But I'll, yeah, I'll keep that, my comments to myself. That cow, that cow does seem to come off pretty easily. So, uh, you know, they're run, run, punchy, punchy. They, they have talked uh, a little bit, and sh- he reveals to her, um, you know, Eugene is not the victim. He's the, the criminal here. He has kidnapped the tailor. So she's like, he has? She, he didn't tell me that. The end result is they join forces. They decide to go track him down at the super secret lily pad, which has neon sign on the top of it. Um, I believe when we go inside, it's all decorated in, in palm fronds and, um, you know, uh, palm trees and, and uh, you know, frog themes. It's almost like a nightclub or a discotheque. Mm-hmm. And sitting there working feverishly at a sewing machine is the tailor, uh, Louise, uh, who's working on something. It's Louise it's, or something. It's James, isn't it? Is it James? It's the tailor, right? Yeah. I, I, I want to uh, say Jacobson is his last name, but I'm not sure. You guys keep talking. I'll check the internets. So, 
he's there. He's apparently there under duress. There's a couple of exchanges between he and Eugene, and you realize Eugene is really taunting him, really, uh, really is not a nice guy. Um, he's nowhere near as innocent and sweet as he pitched himself initially to She-Hulk. Um, and that he's trying to get, I don't know, a new costume or, or something from... He wants, I mean, I will say this. He does seem to be... He seems to be genuinely just think he deserves a new costume. He doesn't seem to be evil. He's just what? narcissistic and, you know, self-centered spoiled. and spoiled. Yeah. And spoiled. Right. And he thinks that, oh, well, you owe me a new costume because you... Your other one didn't, right, your other one didn't uh, meet its standards. So he's not... I don't call him evil. He's just, yeah, you know, he's self-centered and, yeah. and you know, yeah, he's a bad guy. But he's, but he thinks he that you know, you owe me a suit. That's why he's, because he tells I him, he goes, I know you're mad that I've kidnapped you, but. So he's at least admitted that he's kidnapped him. Yeah. About this time, She-Hulk and Daredevil get on the roof of the building, or they're at least doing surveillance of the building, and Daredevil reveals there are 15 guys in the building. She says, how can you know that? He says, well, I can hear their heartbeats. And she says, oh, I'm sure. Uh, he says, well, I can hear your heartbeat. It's racing. And he's apparently hit the nail on the head because she's a little bit embarrassed. Um, and she doesn't know if it's a fake or not, but she at least changes the subject. Uh, there's also been some discussion about echolocation. And she says, well, but so you play a blind man? He says, no, I am blind. And so there's some discussion about echolocation like bats or something to that effect which he says something like that anyways it's at least enough to explain to the audience that he's got a radar sense without calling it that and at least establishing the point so he wants to take out he wants to use subtlety and uh surreptitiously take out the various henchmen one at a time she wants to wade in and just break down walls so he says no 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 let me do it my way it'll take about 15 seconds per person for these 15, 10 or 15 guys that are in the building. So she says, what, it's going to take a half an hour? And he says, your math is off. Well, they never do get that, but it does come straightened out. But they do bring that joke back a little bit later on. Um, ultimately, he decides that he's going to, he's going to uh, try to sneak in on his own. And the tone of the, the episode shifts for these next couple of scenes as the henchmen are on guard. They're kind of patrolling the area and without any explanation, a billy club takes one out. Another guy flies through a doorway. You don't see who the perpetrator is, but this is obviously a, a stylistic change to the Daredevil miniseries that I've not seen, but it's, it's very clear that Daredevil is in his element, that he is operating the way he normally does in the shadows and is evening the odds by just taking them out one at a time. Well, they, they unleash all the people to overwhelm him, as I recall, and he very successfully avoids their gunfire, avoids their uh, billy clubs or whatever they're, they're throwing at him. Um, he is holding his own against superior numbers. Help me out. Is this where She-Hulk comes in? He's 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 holding his own, and then she just comes crashing. Well, he's up against four or five guys. Then she comes crashing to the ceiling and knocks them all out. And she's basically like, "See, my way so she was mops, the right." She yeah. mops it up. She she yeah. cuts to the chase. And then they um, both kind of 
she she uh, releases it's um, Luke Jacobson. Jacobson. That's the table. There we go. Uh, she releases him. He was tied to a chair, uh, and tries to tell Eugene that he's surprised she's there. Like, well, he says, "Why aren't you helping me? You're, you know, you're my lawyer." And she says, "I am trying to help you. Try to keep you from, you know, getting in worse trouble. We'll try to put us up to you having a breakdown." And her and Daredevil kind of have the lawyer talk back and forth while lawyer, while Daredevil's beating up the other guys. And then it cuts to the cops are there, and Eugene jumps out the window and I guess hurts himself, and he's being wheeled that away on a stretcher. And that is, that's a callback to the original appearance of the leapfrog, where he tries to escape the courtroom, oh. and he the safety strap has not uh, has not it has been removed or something. But at any rate, he falls and breaks his leg while he's escaping. I think that's what they're um, implying here that he's. Busted his leg. It's a it's a very clear callback to that original scene because he he's not quite a buffoon, but he's he becomes a buffoon. Um, it's a very lighthearted original Daredevil episode. It's like twenty five and twenty six, and then the silt man stilt man comes in and yeah. was just about to break into the courtroom and rescue him. But okay, I'm off on a tangent here, so we'll come back to the She-Hulk. Um, so I guess it's it's uh, they're at, they're on the roof I guess watching the cops round up everybody, and uh, so She Hulk is like so uh, how long are you in town for? And Daredevil uh, says uh, well I'm going back to New York tomorrow, and she's obviously disappointed. Clearly there's not going to be enough time for a relationship to develop, and so she very impromptuly. Uh, just grabs the bull by the horns and says, well, we can skip it. He says something like, maybe I can call you next time I'm in town or something. She says, or we could skip all that. And the next thing you see, they're all over each other. Um, I think they're in her apartment. They go to her and, apartment. And the clothes are coming off, and it's hot and heavy. Uh, it's just like, whoa, Matt, <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, so they... Uh, they get it on and they disappear into the back bedroom after the camera somewhat follows a trail of costume parts uh, across the floor. And I think one or the other of them swings the door shut. And that's, uh, I think, all that you see that scene until the next morning. Fade to black, fade up, daytime, morning. Daredevil is walking on the sidewalk and passes a lady who's walking her dog or something. And, and somebody correctly identifies it as the walk of shame, uh, which is an expression I haven't heard since college. But at any rate, so he's he's left the apartment. Um, Jen Walters is on her couch and she's um, in good mood. And I don't know if she's talking to the audience at that she's point. She's talking to us. Yeah, because oh, yeah. She, she addresses... Like, what are you it's a Ferris Bueller scene. Yeah, kind of. Where she's like, like what are you doing here? here? Isn't yeah. this the end of the episode? Yeah. And her legal assistant, I'm sorry, I don't recall the name. Nikki. Bursts in and says, lady, you have to get ready for the gala. The gala is coming tonight. So in a clever interplay where she breaks the fourth wall, Jen breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and discusses, what is this unusual development? Oh, goodness, is this the twist? Is this the big reveal? Is this going to be the, the gala? Is that tonight? Is that what's going to be the penultimate end of this episode? And Nikki is 
ignoring the camera. She doesn't know that it's there, but she's like, no, you got to get dressed. You know, I got to help you with your makeup and let's go. So as, um, as Jen finally finishes up and says, so is this a twist? Like, is there really going to be a red Hulk or what was the other one she throws out? She's going to get fridged. Or something else. She's going to get fridged, which is oh, a fridge. Oh, which I thought was a really, I mean, that's a deep cut, but I thought that was inappropriate. But at any rate, uh, that's what she throws out. And Nikki leaps back into camera from the bedroom or from, from the, the, um, the bathroom. But anyways, she leaps into frame as if she's Wolverine with makeup brushes and other things, combs <clears throat> in between her fingers as if they're Wolverine claws. It caught me off guard and scared me for a moment because I didn't know what was going on. And it's obviously she's making a joke. She says, come on, let's get on with it. Let's get it on. And so as she goes back around the corner out of uh, camera frame, Jen says, okay, if it's the gala to be, I'm up for it. So the final scene, the final sequence, I hope I do this justice without belaboring it too much, is She-Hulk is stepping out of the uh, limousine or the car, arriving at the gala in a stunning sequin dress. I think Brian was talking about this earlier, that he had seen a clip, but it's, it's an evening dress. It is stunning. All eyes are on her. She's in full green, you know, She-Hulk personality, and she's all eyes are on her as she walks the red carpet she comes in um it looks like it's going to be a grand affair it moves very quickly uh, her parents are there her friends are there i think she sees the head of the law firm again talking to the condit spear guy whatever his name is yeah and that that's concerning it's like uh-oh there's a conversation there that maybe that's not that's going to be a continuing thread. And then they start the awards ceremony and the announcer reads the winner of the lawyer, female lawyer of the year is Jennifer She-Hulk Walters. And she stands up to all this adoration and he continues and names at least five, if not six other successful recognized lawyers. And it's a little awkward because Jen didn't realize there were going to be other winners as well. But she covers it. They all go on stage. I think one, two, three, four. I think there's seven total. Because she's right in the middle. And the, uh, the master of ceremonies asks the first one, "What does it mean to you?" And the, the lady does the traditional response, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm uh, flattered and honored and motivated by it." And I'm I can't remember the term, but it's it's a trite expression like it's empowering. Know, empowering. Thank you. Um, and it's like. Okay, I didn't recognize who that was. Uh, should I have recognized that person? I don't At think any so. rate, so the first person gives her short answer. He moves on to the second person, who is the uh, the female lawyer from the law firm um, that we have met before, who's the really sharp cookie, and she turns on him wonderfully, saying, uh, "You do twice the work for half the pay, and then people ask you what it feels like to be a female attorney." And it's a wonderful slap. It's like, go girl, you know, she just nailed him. And they they cut, they skip all the other respondents and they come to She-Hulk and ask her and she says, well, you know, she says, first I wanna thank my parents and my coworkers and all the people who have supported me. And at that moment, the 
wall of television screens behind her on stage is hijacked and turns into a caricature of an icon of uh, Hulk King. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know something is going down, something's wrong here, although it takes Jen an awful long time to tumble to the fact of what's going on. Basically, the video feed has been hijacked by a disguised voice that says, She-Hulk doesn't deserve this. You should not be praising her. She is a travesty. She is a slut. He actually uses that term. Does he use that word? I didn't hear that term. Yes, he did. And uh, they, they show, you want proof of what she really is? And they roll footage of somebody had had recorded a scene in her bedroom as if it was shot on their camera and we don't know who it is or who it was but it's clearly one of her dates i think and it's I'm the guy that took a, the blood from her yeah needle guy i think it was too because we haven't seen that camera angle we haven't heard the dialogue but it's clearly embarrassing it's clearly uh defamatory it's totally inappropriate and jen goes into carry mode. She goes into savage She-Hulk mode. And although her friends uh, all around her tell her, Jen, don't. Jen, stop. Don't do this. She grabs the room, destroys the, uh, the wall of TV monitors, shocking the audience. And basically the red lights come on, just like Carrie. Remember the movie Carrie? The Sissy Spasek on stage being humiliated? Yeah. Same thing. I'm sure they were going for that that image. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that, but I can see that. Oh yeah, connection. It's there. They never used the term, but I got it immediately. I I saw what was happening, and so the audience begins to flee out of the ballroom, and she is PO'd. I think I don't know if she does any more damage, but she does. She breaks see, through a wall. Does she? Smashes through the wall out to the outside. Yeah. Not yet. She sees four. Um, four black hooded figures in the corner of the room, uh, the henchmen or whoever they are from the intelligentsia, they look suspicious. They're, they're clearly up to no good. She doesn't know who they are, but she attacks. And as she goes after one of them, she breaks through a wall to the outside, grabs one of them who's almost got away, holds him up and says, you're not going anywhere yet or something to that effect and as she holds him by the throat all of a sudden the SWAT team shows up um, and you don't know who they are but they are on in clear military garb uh, four or five or seven uh, of them train their laser sights on her and say freeze and so the, the episode comes to an end with her in a semi-profile trying to catch her breath holding this guy off his feet somewhat choking him and she turns, three-quarter turn, to look at the soldiers and us, our point of view, and breaks the fourth wall, looks at us, and tries to get her breathing under control. And that's where it ends, on a hell of a cliffhanger. She doesn't say anything, but you don't know where it's going from here. Sorry I took so long on that, that, that recap. I think your synopsis lasted as long as the episode did. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. If it's super thorough. No, 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 it's, no. it's, it's thorough. So, um, if you haven't seen the episode, you've you got to go watch it. Um, I really was hoping that Paul would be here tonight so he could at least comment on the legal maneuvering in, in the first opening scenes. 
Um, that, that I thought that was very well written, very very quick moving, and they didn't bog down too much. You got the point of it real quick. And now so these, the first two, the, the court scenes in this are not realistic. They are they go to court. Okay. The court scene, the court, the case seems to last an hour, then they're out of there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not normal. Yeah, it takes take weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, and I don't a, you know, know if you ever suspension. really end up in court. Like when you go to court, there's so much paperwork. You probably wouldn't go for that. You might not. You might not instantaneous. And she seems to get the same judge. And this the same judge as she seems That's to have. That's what I was going to say. It's he's always been in one of her cases same, before. It's the same courtroom. It's the same judge for all of these cases, uh, which is not realistic. But you can tell they only built one set. So, you know, or they're borrowing somebody's set. Anyways. I caught that. Um, the first two thirds of this episode, or maybe three quarters, is generally very lighthearted. It's your classic Marvel characters, you know, punch, punch, run, run, uh, you know, misunderstanding. Oh, we're going to work together. Oh, we go our separate ways. Except the twist is they don't go their separate ways. First, they have a twist, and then they go their separate ways. Now, Which I don't is know a little if unlike if you watch, watch the Daredevil. Um, it's on Disney Plus now. The the, the Netflix episodes. Uh, and I gotta it's a watch. Little, watch it. It's a little character for him to. Uh, one, he's much more. He's much more serious in that show, and he's yeah. much more. So he's if they changed his tone to fit the tone of this show, as opposed to his own I, show, he's much more serious. I think in that that's one. Wong also. They, oh yeah, and, well his, yeah. Everybody's everybody's him. hyped up. Look at the yeah, abomination. Uh, you know. Abomination as well. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a Marvel rom-com. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Ally McBeal with superpowers. <laughs> you know, but um, which is good. That's what you meant to say. Yeah, well, awesome. If it's uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've come to terms that this show is not For aimed you. at me, which is fine. I'm glad a lot of people are are uh, enjoying it. Kirk, you seem to be enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, uh, more so than I expected, but I think part of my enjoyment is being able to get together with friends and discuss it on this podcast, but it, that, that adds to the level of enjoyment. That helps, yeah. I, I, I think it's biggest... Getting different points of view, you know, that, that you catch some things that I don't and vice versa, yeah. and so that level of, you know, reliving it and, and analysis makes it all the better. I'm so impressed yeah. with the writing. See, I'm, that's the one thing I'm not. The I think it, its biggest crime is that it's not really funny. For I, a comedy, it's not really funny. But it's, again, I say this every episode, it's not for you. And it took me, but it's it taken me until funny. episode eight, literally, I was like, who is this written for? Because it's not for Marvel diehard folks. And it's not really for the general public, right? Because there's enough, you know, inside stuff in it. It is for the geek girl in her early 20s. And if you look across all the inside jokes, the walk of shame, which the fact that they had him holding shoes was that's, so that's dead the on. That's the signal. Yeah, that exactly. Walk of shame. If he wasn't carrying yeah. it, then it wouldn't be that. Um, and all of the flirty and the romance. Yeah, it's a lot of, there was some hard flirting going yeah. on. And this. I asked you, is there any other product or storyline or movie that focuses on that audience? And you said no. And I said, well, that's why this is built the way it is. Well, they are obviously, uh, to what Kirk pointed out, again, the reason why we do this is because it is Burnick adjacent. He he did a, the second run, a very popular run, 
on She-Hulk, and he introduced the fourth wall breaking, mm -hmm. and that's the one thing they really borrow from his. They don't borrow a lot of the storylines from him, but the, the her talking directly to the audience comes directly from his run. And the comedy, except I will point out again that I think his writing is a lot sharper and funnier in that book than this. This is really yes. kind of lowbrow humor. It's not it's not very sharply written. It's it's when did he write? Uh, early nineties. That okay. right? Ninety. Late eighties, early nineties. So, so there's a twenty-year difference. The whole there are there are two distinct runs of, of for his his work on She-Hulk. He did the first eight episodes, and then very abruptly left the title in a dispute with his editor and with Marvel, saying, "Hey, am I in control of this character or not?" I have exclusive say on what she does. And Marvel, in the meantime, had printed a graphic novel, I don't know, coinciding with issues six, seven, or eight, or something like that, that, uh, I'm trying to remember the details. This is more than you need to know. It was something like she was shown shaving in a, in a bathtub or something like that, shaving her legs. And he got really upset and said, what are you doing? She doesn't have to shave. Yeah. Am I in control or am I not? And he walked. Literally just left the book cold because they said, no, you're not in control, basically. Um, so he was gone. He was not on the uh, the book for about two years. They immediately grabbed somebody else. Was it Steve Gerber? I think Anyways, Gerber. Well, that makes sense because Gerber had that more kind of comedic-like touch. Uh, he would and seem so to the, be the, 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 the comic book that. changed. It was still comedic, but the, it, it wasn't John Byrne. It was some other creator guiding it for about two years. I don't recall exactly what happened. If there was a change in editors or or if Jim Shooter left the company. I don't remember. No, Shooter's gone all by of a then. Sudden he came back. What was it? Issue gone. 30 that he came back with? He, I yeah, think, he, anyways, I don't remember. I know I dropped the book when he left and I came back when he came back. Same he thing He stayed on to 50, I think, after they left. I think he stayed on to issue 50. I love right. how every time you can't think of something, you look at me like I would have any idea. I'm not looking at you like... <laughs> he just asks a question, looks at me, and I'm like, I don't know. Just making so, eye contact. <laughs> so that's probably more than you need but as far as background. But there are two distinct windows of when he wrote She-Hulk, and it's very clear that they, it's the same vision. It's this. He just totally ignored anything that happened in the prior two years when he was off the book. And he just kept right on going from where he was. Uh, he apparently had all his notes and his idea where he was going. And I got to tell you, each and every episode was uh, a different vision, was a very clever, was another, um, what do I want to say? It got more and more absurd as he broke the fourth wall and took more and more liberties with the fact that Jen knows she's in a comic book. Um, and, it, it, you know, he really was the auteur. He was in complete control of the it character. Was, yeah, his fourth wall breaking was much more severe than what she does in this. I mean, she was... Of course, it was more of a visual medium. and they couldn't do it here, but right. he would, sometimes she would rip up pages or she would know that she yeah, had some panels. Or and, charge from one page through the advertisements on the next page and into the, the, the third page. You know, it, it was... You know, running from one part of the comic book to another part of the comic book. Uh, one that I remember very clearly is she 
smashes into the right-hand side of the, the page, tips over the page, and all the very fashionable instead of white spaces around the edge of the uh, the the, uh, the page, which is traditional. There, the invoke style was to make it all black. The the borders were all black, so she knocks the page onto its side, and all the black ink pours down to the bottom of the book. She goes, "Oh my God, I broke the book." I mean just incredibly imaginative ways to have the character interact with the medium of comics. Um, it was just you know, groundbreaking. And, you know, it came from Moonlighting. Um, you know, uh, that, I didn't watch the series that much, but the breaking of the fourth wall and the self-referential jokes, I mean, it's, it's all taken right Yeah, from Bruce Willis would talk, turn to the camera several times. So, uh, so that's the background for you. If, if, for those of you who weren't uh, familiar with that, I'm sorry, I went off on another tangent. No, this um, whole podcast is about tangents. Don't apologize. Yep. Well, the, um, I, and I, I, I really brought, liked it. I brought that up when we would cover, we've covered a couple of She-Hulk episodes, that the breaking of the fourth wall, you, I get a little tired of it after a while because it's so used so often. You have to use it sparingly. She doesn't want a show. No, no, I'm talking about in the comic. Oh, yeah. I, that sounds a little distracting. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. So it got to be like a gimmick that kept, okay, I've seen it, you know, can we move on? Um, yeah. In this one, I almost, which is funny because in this one, I almost wish they would do it more to have her address the audience. I still wanted to walk off walk off a scene. I wanted to walk off the scene and see, see the cameras and you see the writers and the directors and all that. I want to see that. Um, but so that may happen next episode. She she may take control and say, "I'm not doing this. I'm going to win." You know, because well, right now she's it's like she's going down the drain. No, I, th I think the uh, I think the whole this whole intelligentsia storyline is them trying to. First, I thought they were going to steal her blood, which they yeah. did, and they want that. But I think they also want to discredit her. But they did yes. all this to make her lose her temper and show that she's a danger. So either they're going to get her in jail or that somebody's going to force to cure her or something. They're trying to discredit her. Oh, so that eventually Matt comes back to defend her in the next issue. In the, I'm sorry, in the last ninth episode? I'll bet you that he doesn't uh, go. I don't know if he comes back. I mean, Really? I think he does. Well, he's got his own show coming out. So this is maybe that we're introducing him to this Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did that in yeah. the last Spider-Man. They bring him in here, and then he'll jump into Born Again, which is going to be his show. Which I bet the tone of that's going to exactly switch, and that's going to be super serious. Uh, it won't oh, be yeah. as jokey Boy. as this. Vanilla, um, if you're not familiar with it, Born Again storyline is a real downer. It's like, oh, well, couldn't <laughs> be more different from than than what we've been seeing in Shield. Totally. Well, when they well, when they decided to, and I didn't read the, the, I think it was either Bendis or Bendis's run or Kevin Smith's run, they decided to just dump on Matt Murdock. He became Marvel's punching boy. Everything horrible happened to well, him. That one show that they had, I can't think of what it was, but he was kind of a sad character. He's in Hell's Kitchen. He's yeah, he was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you watched. Yeah, you watched yeah. Daredevil. It was like that. Things were always. He was wound up in jail at one point. They, the kingpin outed his identity. He yes. 
lost uh, was the girlfriend the Carpage Carpage? died. But Carpage? from a, yep. if you are Marvel totally and you're trying destroyed to his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But if you're if you look at this again from a product standpoint, you had to have different flavors of characters for a wide audience. Right, so you got the She Hulk for the twenty year olds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not, yeah, not every Marvel it's like it's like going to an ice cream powder and say, Well, I hate that flavor. It's like, yeah. well yeah, but somebody loves it. So they have to, to your point, cast kind of a wide net and get mm-hmm. you know, the the people that like the super serious so I can see why people would be like they're diehard Marvel people and they're like, there's no way in real life Daredevil the She-Hulk. They're just... That's a little... That's I mean, a I tender date that wouldn't work. Yeah, Being in court is one thing. That I know of. Having them hang up, uh, hook up, I thought was a little... But then that fits in with the rom-com of this yeah. series. Yes. You know. Yes. That you fits know. with Jennifer's view of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Daredevil was telling us this story... I'm not. I'm not sure that we would. I know we wouldn't have the same stories. Well, Daredevil being in it because she hasn't, other than her cousin Bruce, she hasn't met any superheroes. So what? Meeting Daredevil and finding out that he's met murder. Well, no, she's met other superheroes because she defends him at work, but she hasn't met other successful superheroes. Well, Mr. Immortal wasn't a superhero. Titania isn't a superhero. From they're, my... they're super powered. They're not okay. superheroes. Well, that's a detail that gets lost on people like me. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah, because, I agree. Because at the bar, before she knows he's Daredevil, Matt Murdock says, uh, "I think you can. I think you're selling yourself short." I'm paraphrasing. You know. Yeah. Jennifer Walters can help in the courtroom, and She-Hulk can help when the the law doesn't right. fall short. And I think that's what the first run of the She-Hulk, She-Hulk series was. I think she was acting as a lawyer during the day, and at night she would yep. go out as She-Hulk. And right. And so the episode yeah. does this thing where it's like, again, that whole girl angle. Here's a man who understands me, and he explain, like he explains how to solve my problem, right? Well, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's also, and this superhero is inspiring her to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, she decides to put the super jumper on the onesie, whatever, <laughs> whatever this the thing is. She puts we that. We haven't on. seen that yet, have we? No, we just knew that he created her a super suit. Yeah, um, and she decides, and you can tell the scene, the scene when she confronts Daredevil. She's a little cocky, we haven't seen yet because she hasn't tried to do superhero stuff. Compare that scene to the. Chris Reeves scene when he goes and confronts Luther and he's cocky yeah, and he's never done that, you know, cause uh, he was always told uh, Perry White said, Oh, you're full of humility. And Superman was not aggressive, you know, and then he, Perry White tells him, Hey, you should be more aggressive and, and mm-hmm. go after stuff. So when he confronts Luther, he is, he's trying to be tough guy. Oh, and, I never caught that. And it backs, ba- you, know, you know, backfires on him because Luther. Yeah. He's ready for him. So she's doing that. She's like, hey, you know, she's uh, kind of, it's like Spider-Man banter. She's like, hey, where you going? I'm going to whoop your butt. Yeah. Uh, and he's playfully, you know, avoiding her blows and stuff. Well, and every she time she's hugged out. property damage. Sorry. Every time she's hugged out, though, it's almost lighthearted. And it almost, she's almost apologetic, right? And at the end of this episode, she has a legit reason to be angry. I mean, she got slut-slammed. Yeah. And so... 
all of a sudden, that's the bad thing they want to show about her. An aggressive female. Was it that, or they just wanted to push her so she would become aggressive, and they would show that she's dangerous? Yeah, whatever, whatever exactly. Whatever reason it is. Right. An angry female. I guess. Equals bad. You know. Well, no. You um, think that's what the show's saying? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the message that they're trying to say. I think that's what the bad guys are trying to do. I don't think yes. generally it's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, I, And there's I a whole message. Again, I think if you watch this as but a... Is, but is violence an answer to that? All that damage she did? What are you talking about? The whole Marvel Universe is people doing punch, punchy, punchy, run, run. Yeah. It causing is, damage. But what this show... So why is it bad well, for her? Well, I'm getting to that. What this show seems to do is, it, with the whole leapfrog thing and, and his outrageous lair and the way his... You know, he's trying to name his guys the 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 Leap Gang or whatever he calls them, the Leap Squad, whatever it is. You know, he's he's, he's branding. playing completely as a joke. And they've had that in Marvel before. But they seem to be taking, you know, pardon the phrase, but they seem to be taking the piss out of superheroes. Because they are making, you know, pointing out what fans do. Pointing out all this absurdities that, that the superhero comics themselves don't address yeah this show's doing it right but it doesn't go all the way i would love them you know he was saying oh you've done all this property damage because oh, i better leave a note i would love for her yeah she to, does say that i would love for the next day when she's going to gala somebody to come up and say hey you're being sued because you destroyed a parking garage and a car and another car and all this other stuff show that you know show the absurdity of consequence that's the consequences because we as comic fans think how come, who's paying for all this stuff? These guys are tearing up the city and nobody's, who's paying for it? Right. So if this, if the show is going to be poking fun at it, comics itself and superheroes, they go a little further and do that. Now, that'll stray, I think, farther from their narrative. Yeah, um, I mean, they, can we talk a little bit about the intelligentsia and who's, who's the big bad behind the scene here? I think I'm a lot for is tied into it, right? Because the douchey guy. Too. Yeah, so, and I haven't pieced all this together, but this is where I'm starting. She gets hired by this law firm, kind of out of the blue. She has to be the She-Hulk while she's there, right? She gets assigned clients that she doesn't want to be with, right? right? She goes to this gala. Douchey guy is talking to her boss. Whisper, whisper. What's the big well, secret? Well, she said before that yeah. he was, he was talking hap- to her. The thing happens to her at the law gala. Okay. Well, it could be. I don't think her boss, the head of the law firm, I don't think he's going to be the big bad guy. Unless, because if he's the big bad guy, then he gets, he goes to jail and either she doesn't have a job anymore Mm. or they promote that one lawyer, the woman, the, um, I don't. They promote her, so she's running the law firm. He goes to jail, and then Jennifer still has the job. I think, I agree that the douchey guy could be, he's established that he's rich. He seems to be very rich. Yeah. Could it be, because we didn't see any of this intelligentsia stuff until after her dating, right? Right. 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 Okay, so he goes on a date with her, doesn't go well, he kind of gets rejected. Does he use his power, money? To create the intelligentsia, set up the website, mm-hmm. set up all this stuff, just to humiliate her and um, put her kind of put her in her place because 
She yeah, rejected I think, him. I, so I think he's got the money, but I don't think he has the brains. There's going to be somebody else behind it. Well, no, he's hired all these people. Yes. Yeah, he's hired yeah. all these goons. Or, or the, I will say the only good part of the whole episode I really thought was when Daredevil explains the difference between goons and henchmen. I thought that was good writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He seems to, and it, his goofiness and his, he's played kind of as a pig, but yes. he's mostly harmless. Yeah, he just hits oh, on her. He's just harmless, but is that I think a Jen, cover? Jen made a mistake when she overreacted. I mean, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have, have been angry and insulted and walk out of there, but He's the client to, to shove the table up against him, to pin him in the wall and said, I'm out of here and I'm billing you for a whole hour. I mean, you don't do that to a client. She could just have said, not interested. I'll see you in court. Yeah, be a more professional about it. Yeah, I mean, it, is right. it, is it... So I don't think she handled that really well. And I think that's going to come back to the hotter. I agree. I'm very suspicious of the head of the law firm. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Jen is going to lose her job. She is going to lose her her uh, L.A. base and friends, and she's going to have to go to New York City. I think no, I don't, that, that the they'll whole keep it. I think Daredevil, they'll keep it. I think they're going to keep it in L.A. to to differentiate it from from anything that's going on in New York. Now she may, when Daredevil's show comes on, maybe she'll guest star in his show. Maybe she's in New York for some reason. But uh, it could be that she I, does lose her job. And maybe... Because her own some, lawyer. Well, the other women maybe quit in solidarity. Like yeah. the, the, the yes. whatever that one yes. woman is. Uh, defender, and they start their own law firm. Yeah. Yes. More pro bono stuff than like Matt said. Yeah, yeah. you got to have this whole thing where she's like constantly That's struggling between being herself. So and being, all women. Yeah. Because again... It's not for you. It's written for a certain type of audience, and you got to have that back and forth. Yeah, I mean that's I, I why I think it'll stay. That's why it'll stay in L.A. I don't think it'll go to New York. L.A. is much more. Oh, is there a another lighter season? And, I don't know. I don't this know if they if they've greenlit if another it's season. One or not. season and it's done. No, let me say it the other way around. If it if it's if there's another season coming and we know that, then I agree with you. They're not going to go to New York. They're going to keep it in L.A. If this is the end with the next episode, until we see her pop up elsewhere in the, the cinematic universe, I think it's entirely possible that, that uh, she's going to pack her bags and leave L.A., and then she'll be a loose plot thread until she pops up someplace, possibly joining the Avengers. I mean, I'm, I'm making this out of whole cloth here. I don't have anything to support this, but... Um, I can't wait for the next episode. I think Daredevil's going to be in it. I think Matt's going to be defending her, that she's in jail because of the destruction. I want to see the motivation of the big bad, of Hulk King, whoever he is. And I want I want those goons to be revealed. There were clearly four of them, and there were four people that she dated that she called in the court to act as character witnesses for her. Remember that? Yeah, but that's... Yeah, I don't know if those will... It, it, that matches. That's exactly four. Now, somebody could be utilizing them or manipulating them or stage managing this whole thing, but I... And those uh, guys those guys are there, there on purpose. If they were hijacking this, uh, the broadcast or whatever they were doing, 
they didn't have to be there. Those guys were there, so she would see them to enrage her more and cause her to go okay. berserk. So that yeah, was staged. I want to know what they were doing there. Why? What? Why do you need four people in the back of That's an auditorium? It's not, I don't think it's the. Uh, I don't think it's uh, the guys she dated. I don't think it's those guys. Um, obviously, the one guy. The no. Could be the record. I think they're just goons. They're just guys they hired. Like, hey, you need to dress in black and wear a mask and be there. You make it beat up. I think it's that kind of. It's that simple. Um, oh, and we'll pay you how much to be beat up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. According to hey. the internet, it says season two could be as early as next year if season one does well. And Wouldn't they know by now though. Well, this whole thing of waiting a wanted... year. They, they want to see how it performs. They do. I mean, they think they greenlit Loki season two before the first season was over. Yeah, um, just need to listen to this but podcast. But this one, I think, has pretty low well. ratings. It's not doing so good. So it just depends. And it's about $25 million an episode. So that's not not cheap. For this? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, well there's special CGI, effects. Every time you see green She-Hulk, um, and yeah. usually when well, you see destruction... And I will say that the fight scenes with Daredevil were very different than the ones in his show. His show, they were all practical. There was somebody in a real costume doing all that parkour stuff. This looked like when she was fighting him, there was a lot of CGI Daredevil. So that's, okay. that's a little different. So you, you'll see the difference if you go back and watch his show. Um, uh, his, his fight scene where he's taking out the goons or whoever, one at a time until she breaks in, is that not the style of the Netflix show? That's the style it is, yeah. But I'm talking about when she's fighting him and he's Got doing all those it. crazy flips and backflips and, and kind of Matrix-style stuff. Some of that seems CGI. Yeah. But he doesn't, you know, in his own show, he doesn't fight anybody's superpower. He fights just right. regular guys. Interesting. So to your point of telling if a show is doing well in the real world, it's when merch shows up at Walmart and I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any of this merch. I know. I haven't seen any merch at all for this. I'm sure I haven't Disney. I have seen any for, for uh, Captain America or the Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I haven't seen any merch for any any of these Disney shows. But then I haven't gone to Disney World. It's probably, so. yeah. Disney, you know, I bet Scott Gardner's seen tons of this stuff. I know it is, in fact, because. I watch a YouTube guy named Despero, and he was he covers this as well, and he was had several different She-Hulk shirts on. So there's, but it's not from this show; it's just generic She-Hulk. No, there's still hope. When um, they start yeah. selling like a She-Hulk purse, I think um, all signs are good. Well, well, like She-Hulk perfume and things like that. <laughs> I hope like that the they stuff don't sell T-shirts. Well, well, I'm wondering if uh, married with kids uh, T-shirts, no, ma'am. God, I hope they don't sell shirts that say no She-Hulk or Intelligentsia hates you know She-Hulk or She-Hulk post up. I hope they don't go that way. Well, I'm, I'm 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 not super curious, but I'm because I've gotten this far and I want to find out how it ends. If the Intelligentsia are they going to do something like they did with Spider-Man Three, where bring where spoilers for that film where they brought guys back from like the first Iron Man and a couple others that were all kind of um, they hated Tony Stark, and they all banded together. So whoever this Hulk King is, or whoever's behind this, is it? Is it the leader? Is it an old Hulk villain? Is it something to do with Bruce Banner or the Hulk? 
that is because they say you stole the power from the Hulk. So is it the leader trying to? I mean, it would make sense that the leader would try to create other Hulk creatures or beings or whatever. So maybe he's the one trying to steal her blood. Well, it makes sense too if that character ties into other movies or shows or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, to that Kirk's point, be... is she if she doesn't show up in season two, do we just see her pop up in an Avengers movie? You know, mm-hmm. there's there was or rumors a long time there was gonna be a they call it She Avengers, something like that. It was gonna be kind of all female Avengers have been Black Widow and She-Hulk and uh, Wanda and whoever the other female, you know, it was going to be an all uh, Captain Marvel, those kind of characters. As we saw in the end of Endgame in the big fight scene, when the yep. women had their scene, yeah, was that the point of that, that they were going to launch something? No, I think that was just more of a, again, that was a female empowering scene. You know, have well, all yeah, the women together. Yeah. Maybe they're just trying to be more inclusive, right? They realize that the audience yeah, is growing, and it's you have, you know, you have to yeah. do that. But uh, you know, there's rumors there's going to be a World War Hulk TV series with like a Disney Plus, where mm-hmm. that's what they were, and we'll probably I bet we see some more of that the next episode, where you know he's on the spaceship, Bruce is on the spaceship, and they came that first episode where the spaceship causes him to crash, and he says it's yeah. from. Sakar, Satari, yeah, Satari, the the planet from <clears throat> Hulk, uh, uh, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, where he was held captive and was forced to fight. So oh. he's going back there. He's on that ship, but he's calling her at one point. So that's right. going to lead to World War Hulk. And I don't know if that's. I think it's going to be a TV show. I don't think it's going to be a movie because they can't make movies with the Hulk because of the rights issues. But she could certainly, she would show up in that, I think, as another Hulk. And maybe that's where we get a Red Hulk, if we get a Red Hulk. Um, God, I hope they don't maybe do Maybe Titania is going to be the Red Hulk. Maybe she's yeah, going to be that's a possibility. transformed, given more power, and becomes the Red Hulk. Because it can't, obviously can't be Betty, uh, Betty Ross. It yeah. can't be Thunderbolt. Although they are recasting Thunderbolt. Um as uh, Harrison Ford is now going to be Thunderbolt Ross okay. in the new Thunderbolts TV show. Uh, I can't see Harrison Ford embracing the Marvel Universe unless it's just no, a guest show. A walk-on, walk-off. I just... I don't think he plays well with others. Yeah. I mean, he, well, his career is wonderful and I love him, but... What, all, all the stuff that I hear is that he's got his own mind. Well, I think he's kind of, he's at the point where I, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need the money whatever. and I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, Kirk, we've been talking for about an hour. Um, yep. I think we've carried this, covered this pretty good. Do you have any final thoughts? Obviously, uh, you enjoyed it quite a bit. My wife enjoyed it. I guess I'm the... Don't talk for me. <laughs> if I've learned anything from this show... You don't talk for me. But yeah, I did like it. <laughs> uh, don't take her side, Kurt. Don't take um, her side. I, I appreciate her point of view, and I agree with her. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, what what was That's I it. I'm going to start podcasting with Kirk. I'll see you next Friday, go. buddy. Yeah, you and, you and Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I 
they have a feeling they're going to tie it up. There are going to be a couple of loose threads next episode uh, that will tie into some other Marvel project. Uh, we still have to see the reveal of, of the big bad um, that, that everybody keeps talking about it being a leader, but I don't know how they're going to weave that in. Um, who was it? Was it Chris who said that he had heard that there that uh, the actor who played Daredevil would be in three episodes? Well, that's what I had heard, but I don't. Unless they count his power was in one. one. He clearly was in this eighth episode. So if there the rule of three applies, he's going to be in the next episode, the final episode. Um, well, he could. To your point, he could. If she's in trouble, he could come come back and represent her instead of the other woman, not Nikki, but I whatever the other woman. I hope they don't get her in a jam and then have Bruce swoop in on a spaceship to rescue her. No, no. That would send the wrong message. No, no, no. Um, I think if... Oh, they won't do that. They won't do that at all. I think if we see Bruce at all, it will be him on the ship or on the planet or something. We'll check in with him, but he won't have any direct uh, action with her. He'll just just checking in on him again. Uh, Part of the problems can be is if... Okay, you think you're getting a season two, then you have to end with kind of a cliffhanger. If you don't get a season two, then you leave everybody hanging. So is that right. resolved in a movie? You know, so you have to kind of it's a, a tightrope. You have to, you know, you have to either wrap it up or you you leave it so that you know it carries over to, or maybe carries over to another episode. I don't know. You know, they may. Loki ended on a cliffhanger. Clearly, there was going to be another series. Um, but there's got to be another Loki. They, yeah, they're there. making a season two of Loki. Yeah, there's a season two. So yeah. I don't know what the cliffhanger would be, except maybe it's the reveal of the leader shows up and says, I've been pulling all the strings. Just wait, Jennifer Walters. I'm not done with you yet. You know, ah, ha, ha, ha. I think we may see the leader, but I don't think it'll be revealed to her. It may be we just right, see the right. leader, and, he's, and she doesn't know, you know, there's, doesn't know there's somebody there. Um, she, maybe she gets the closed credit scene. You notice right. there are no more closed credit scenes. Yeah, that was weird. They, they start, yeah, they started that, and then he kind of dropped it. They just just not do any more the the credit cookies. But um, I, think I don't know. I, I'm kind of interested to see how it how it uh, how it ends up. Uh, and if there's a season two, we'll cover season two. Seems like there was something else I was going to say. I can't remember what it is. So let me instead transition to ask if you have your opinions or you think we're full of crap, um, please write us. Let us know. You can go to our Facebook page, Third Degree Burn. You can write us on Gmail at gottagetburned at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, which is now, what is it, Apple? Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. There are lots of different ways that you can let us know. And we'd like to hear from you to see if uh, if we're off the mark. Is it really a great series? Is it a crummy series? Are you enjoying it? Or have they missed the boat with the character? Uh, let us know. Um, don't know how many more of these episodes I'm going to be able to be involved in because i got some personal stuff that's coming up here, including a hurricane that wiped out my mother's property in Florida. But we won't get into that right now. Um, so thank you for joining us. I want to say thanks to Tim Elliott and his wife, Vanilla, for um, chatting for the last hour or so. Thanks so much for joining us. Anything else, folks? No, I want to thank everybody for listening, if you haven't tuned out yet. And <laughs> if you made it this far, then thank you for listening. I want to always, as always, thank my wife for coming on. It's been a lot of fun podcasting with her.
No, I get to drink during this, so it's always fun. <laughs> we should do a Furious Bueller, end the show, and then say, what? Hey, Why well, are you still well, listening? Yeah, well, still here. <laughs> okay, folks. All right. Thanks I'll for joining us. Good night. Good night. Bye. But I'm not done yet. Hello, and welcome to a special Third Degree Burn Extra. Um, I'm Brian Hughes, and I'm sitting here with my little boy, Christopher. Uh, hello, everybody, and by the way, I'm not so little. No, he's not so little. He's 15 years old. He's bigger than me. And I'm not a little guy. Anyway, uh, we're here to add on to the discussion about the latest episode of She-Hulk, Ribbit and Rip It. And, uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, what a name. Uh, and, uh, of course, this is uh, one that we've been waiting for for a while because it introduced Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. But it also gave us, gave us a couple other things. And uh, Kurt gave you guys a, a synopsis that was pretty pretty detailed. Christopher and I are just going to jump into the discussion here. Now, one thing that everybody seems to be getting wrong, and I've been seeing this on Facebook too, is that the in the comics, the way it was, Vincent Patillo was the father of Eugene, and he was Leapfrog. A supervillain. Not not really that super, though. He's kind of like a C-list kind of villain. He's a lame. He's lame. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> anyway, he got busted by Daredevil, went to prison, and uh, his wife died of cancer. And then he, uh, you know, tried to go straight. And his son, Eugene, got a hold of one of his costumes and became Frogman. Not Leapfrog, but Frogman. Now, Eugene was a typical high school nerd. He was overweight. He was... Awkward. He was, you know, a geek, you know, uh, like 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 his friends, and he wanted to be a superhero, but it was more of a wannabe uh, in the comics. And he was used for, you know, comic. Uh, he, he was just used for the, the comedic aspect of it. Uh, he was created, if I understand this right, by J.M. Damatius. Uh, J.M. Damatius, of course, is responsible for the Bwahaha era of the Justice League. Uh, is very good at writing comedy and. Eugene was one of those uh, foils that uh, he threw at us from time to time. I know that he was in two issues of Marvel Team Up, 121 and 125. Uh, both are, are really well uh, regarded, and Eugene's just a, a, a likable character, though he really shouldn't be wearing the costume. And we get a you know a, a different version of that in this. Uh, they called him Leapfrog throughout the episode, right? Yeah, he's still lame. Yeah, uh, he was. He but was, he's an entitled rich kid. He was an ass. Yeah, <laughs> he was. I don't like him because he was so. He's a person who doesn't have any self awareness. He doesn't realize what he does to other people. No. That's why he and I believe they already talked about this in the synopsis. Kidnapped Luke Jacobson. Yes, that's Which, the name, Luke Jacobson. Jacobson. Yeah, yeah, Luke <laughs> Jacobson. But you might as well just call him Edna Mott, no Gates. Yeah, no, no okay. he was. He was <laughs> he's his own character, I know. No, I know, he's but. like the love child of what's his name from Mannequin, Mr. Fabulous. Oh, Hollywood from Mannequin, yes. And, 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 and the mode. mode. <laughs> That's great, yeah. He's the love child of them. Yeah. And it's absolutely greatness. We, we do like Luke, Luke's character. Um, anyway, so, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the basics of what happens in the episode, but we wanted to talk about a couple things that, you know, caught our attention or things that made us groan a little bit. And, and I'll get this one out of the way real quick. The one that really made me groan was Jennifer's misstep in court against Matt Murdock and not knowing about Eugene's own misstep with the, the jet fuel. 
she should have found that out in discovery early, early on, she, talking to him. But then again, this was a, like a pretrial hearing. It wasn't a real trial. Um, gotta be honest, but, she got what was coming towards her. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she didn't do her homework, and that that's why she got slapped like she did. But then again, but, she was okay, forced into the on. case. If you're going into court with Matt Murdock, you're going to get slapped no matter who you are. <laughs> this is true. Matt Murdock is, uh, he's a different breed as a lawyer. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed, uh, of course, you know, Charlie Cox has played Daredevil on the, on the Marvel, uh, uh, you know, Netflix series uh, for three seasons. And uh, he did a very, very good job. He's not the Daredevil I read in the comics, but he is as good as we're going to get, I think, on the screen. Just because Daredevil was not really a great guy. You know, he's, he's not a, not, not the, I mean, Matt Murdock in the, in the series is a likable person where Matt Murdock in the comic books is kind of a, well, I mean, he goes through women like, you know, you know some, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we I already know. He, go, he goes through, uh, I mean, again, you know, Charlie Cox is Matt Murdock. He, he's kind of uh, a woman getting this kind of guy, but he's not a, a jerk about it like Matt Murdock in the comics was. Well, like that being said, I love Daredevil. Don't, don't get me wrong. Oh, I love Daredevil too. But like mine was what I read. He was a bit more, uh, uh, not so all that. <laughs> he was a bit more just uh, laid back on that kind of part. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. He wasn't like Wolverine, which, gosh, but we're not well, going to go on him That's yet. That's writers coming in later. Fanboy writers, come on. That's not fanboy writing. It's just making Women going a after a person. five foot two little runt like that? That's fanboy writing. <laughs> nah, you'd be surprised. Man gets around. <laughs> But what's the word I'm looking for? Okay, hold on. Anyway, <laughs> he's he's just being rude to all them short kings out there. Don't worry, people. All right. Okay. I'm, it's not I'm like I'm tall. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I, you know, sh- going back to the court case, you know, just uh, I love seeing Charlie Cox in there again, pretty much just smoking her. And then as soon as they got into that fight with uh, uh, at the very end, at the what was it the. The warehouse, the lily pad. The lily pad. The lily pad. I mean, uh, every and, bad superhero super- trope that you could possibly come up with. I swear, the guys were in the writing room. Excuse me, the girls were in the writing room, smoking a joint, going, "Okay, okay, he's gonna have a lily pad," and okay, and then he's gonna. <laughs> well, no, no, they were smoking a joint, and they were going, "What would Mister Evil do?" <laughs> Mr. Evil, Doctor Evil. Doctor was it Doctor Evil? Doctor Evil from Austin. But it Powers. wouldn't even be Doctor Evil. It'd be Scott Evil doing this kind of stuff. I mean, it's just it's hilarious wannabe stuff, but it really worked. It really it re- no, it works overall for like what She Hulk did in the comics, right? Yeah. Now the other the other thing that stuck out to me that uh, I, I hope that in the last episode we're going to see this come back on her is that in the middle of the episode, she gets in the chase with everything, and she picks up a car. Nobody's car in particular. She just picks up a car and chunks it. And, I mean, this kind of stuff needs to come back on her. You can't just sit there and do wanton destruction, you know, with somebody's private property. And and so far, that hasn't come to bitter on the butt, but it should. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, there was like a little mini thing that, that I noticed, and that was the Sokovia Accords got repealed. Yeah, Sokovia Accords got repealed. That was, uh, I mean, it makes sense uh, that they would go ahead and do that after the snap because it was dissolving the superheroes that probably put us in the position for the snap to happen. Okay. And uh, since the superheroes had to all come back and save the day, 
yeah, might want to say it's okay to be a superhero. Yeah, well, uh, almost all of them. I mean, there are still some that I don't think were there who are in there in the Marvel Universe now. Well, you didn't get any of the Defenders. As I understand it, they were waiting in a, a, a an elevator to be called to the battle. And they sat in that elevator all that time. Well, that's a joke. There's yeah. a, a a YouTube video about that. But there's also like, oh, okay, one person I really want to see. Yeah, Blade. 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 We're gonna get to see Blade. Blade's gonna. Be, I mean, I mean, the groundwork for it's already there. The Werewolf by Night spe- uh, special that came out last Friday night, which is awesome. awesome. Got to watch it. Uh, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it, it. I mean. That's where Blade got his start in the comic book Werewolf by Night. So did Moon Knight. Yes. So I mean, I mean, so oh. many characters, like so multiple. Characters. Did I get that right? Maybe I'm wrong about that. It could be that he came from a Dracula book. I because it was Moon. I know Moon Knight got his start there. Yeah, so now but, I'm gonna have to look at. It. I'm but, wrong. I'm wrong. But anyways, we got to go back to She Hulk because yes. that's the main yeah. topic of the episode. Um, I'm trying to think what. Oh yeah, they were spouting legal, you know, uh, disputes in front of the guy. It, while they were fighting uh, the bad guys. And he was like, are you a lawyer too? And he says, no, I just really like law shows. Now, Blade came in Tomb of Dracula in 73. So, Tomb of Dracula. Tomb of Dracula. So, okay. so that, yeah, my bad. My bad. I got that confused with Moon Knight. That's, That's a, unlikely. It's great when you can get Marvel series mixed up. Because that's how many we have now. I'm not saying that every one of them is perfect. She-Hulk has got its share of you know little little issues, but we hope they get ironed out. And I think that yes. hopefully the last episode is going to kind of tile this up in a nice, neat bow that will make sense of, of everything. Well, yeah, because really it's just been Seinfeld. Yeah, but you know the thing is is that as um I try to write, and as a writer, you know I noticed certain things that, that happen when I'm watching movies and such it, it's something that kills me because I'll notice something that happens like a, a character pausing too long and I said oh my gosh this person's about to die and they die and it's just because of you know that's what the direction the writing needed to take it and they pause there's no other reason in the storytelling for it to happen and then it happens and in this one she actually was surprised that as the audience, we were still there. And she recognized it as being something else going on in the story. And this is a great way of attacking, you know, that, that whole writer's thing, you know, to, to realize that, that they've got a trope that's going on. And so therefore you got to follow it to the end. And I was really, really pleased with that. Now, the other thing that uh, we got to talk about another elephant in the room is uh, Jen and Matt having a, uh, a, a night of, um, well, punching the sack, punching the okay, pig sacks, whatever you want to call it, doesn't you know, doesn't matter. You have to get a pig sound there, yeah. But anyway, uh, I mean, Jen's kind of getting around now. Ah, no, come on, she she what did the one guy as She Hulk, um, you know, she met on uh, she, I think everything upon this show has been like yeah. weeks and weeks apart, then, from then each other. Josh. And now Matt. And yeah, yeah, it's probably weeks and weeks and weeks apart. But still, women judge women. And I'm curious, you know, like what women are saying about this. Are they saying that she's... A hoe? Yeah, a hoe? Or (laughs) what what do they say? I don't think so. Don't get me wrong. Men judge men too. 
not necessarily on how many conquests, but on who and the conquest is. Not nearly is. the same way that we that women but, judge. But it's judged on who the conquest is. Yeah, but it, it, I'm not saying I do this. I don't know. <laughs> You're not there yet. No, no. You got time. Don't worry. It'll happen one way or the other. Oh my God. We're cutting this out. <laughs> no, I know we're not. This, I'm sorry, this is golden. Um, but uh. again, another fun episode. Uh, a, a lot to digest and. To uh, talk to Kirk's point about the vibranium. Now, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there, we, we had just rewatched Black Panther recently, and there was a scene in there where it was either Suri or it was uh, Nakia had sure. thrown a Wakandan spear that looked just like the one that the guy bought on, you know, in the, yeah. the, the, the auction. Uh, and her name's Shuri. Sir, Shuri. Shuri. I'm sorry, I keep thinking about Surrey from the, you know, the Apple um, thing. Yeah. Okay, so, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but again, they threw this the spear and they left it behind. And I always thought, that's that's a bad miss, that they left that behind and didn't go get it. Nope, they, they got it. But, I mean, is this the same spear or is it a different spear altogether? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they're worried about... You know, vibranium getting out there, and then they throw a spear and just forget about it. So, and what makes all of that so much worse is that it was the awkward white guy going uh, Wakanda forever. Yeah, that was that was not that was not, horrible, not especially screaming it out. I, I cringed and I wanted <laughs> to say sorry to somebody. But now, of course, the the question is: Is he the main villain or is he a side villain? I think that they're all side villains. And I think that they're all working indirectly for the leader. Oh, yeah. No. And we really just recently watched. We the watched The Incredible, Incredible Hulk, and we got to see Sam Stearns all over again. Uh, and in his origin there, uh, thanks to the abomination. got to be honest, it gets more hate than, than it needs. Well, it does not. I don't even think about it as a bad movie. I enjoy the movie. I enjoy so I'm not, not going to go into that right now. Yeah, no, no. We're not going to go into that but, right now. But we, we did watch it, and a lot of stuff from that has kind of... Uh, trickled in like, the only thing that i thought would have been great is if we saw instead of stan lee drinking that soda with his blood if we saw jen drink that soda yeah but and I mean, then now we just ago. yeah no you can find a way that is comic book science you i know but jen would have to have been a kid she would have had to been like a, a teenager an early teenager or something like that you know how long Lost that was Wolf 2008 2009 that that happened she's about the same age as bruce uh, no, no, she's much younger, at least 10 years younger. You think 10 years younger? At least 10 years younger. Well, I don't think he was... I think you know, she's probably like right around 30, and he's well into his 40s. Yeah. Well, but uh, that being said, let's let's that's... let's move on. Because the point we're trying to get to here is is that, uh, you know, this guy had been asking Jen whether or not vibranium could pierce her skin. Well, what's the point of that? I mean, if if Josh already got her blood... Why are they, why did they make a super syringe that looked like it was made probably from vibranium? To take her blood as She-Hulk. Right. So you want blood from her as Jen and blood from her as She-Hulk to see what I guess what the difference is between the two. Just enlarged cells. And they can then do as a leader did or as Stearns did, uh, concentrate it and then create more, so they can create more beings, uh, more more Hulk-like beings. But hey, that's a scary, uh, you know, thought all well, into itself. Well, each one of them is practically a, like a nuke. Yeah, they're they're like living nukes, is what they are. Well, you know, the thing is, is that we've been told that that uh, the leader is going to be in the next Captain America movie. 
And if he's the villain there, then we have to sit there and start thinking about this going back to the Incredible Hulk. Now, we watched again just the other day, and the one thing we saw was General Ross going into uh, the freezer and pulling the sample, uh, this super soldier serum that they had. Now, this is not the same one that was used on Steve Rogers, but something like it. Probably used as derived from his blood. I think it's what they used. But it was still blue. It's what they used for Blonsky, right? Right. That's what they that's what they injected into Blonsky. Now, if you remember in, in Captain America, the first Avenger, they had vial after vial after vial of blue stuff that they injected into Steve when he was in the, the inverter chair or whatever you want to call it. And there that was thing. only one vial left unused. They had one vial, but they made but then, several doses of something. But the, no, but then they were all, all those vials except the one were used on Steve. Mm -hmm. And then one was left. And that, no, the, no, the German guy who was looking Hydra. for Hydra yeah. took it. Right. He took it, but he, I, I don't know what happened with it. It got it, broken. It, okay, that's right. It got broken. So there wasn't anything. They had to use Steve's blood. But there's something else, and this is a theory of mine that I've sitting there been paying attention on all this. Vibranium, as well as the Super Soldier formula, as well as the Black Panther's uh, herbs that they use to make the Black Panther's... Yeah, the heart-shaped herbs. Yeah. Um, I think all of it's tied together, and I think it's all tied in with the Kree, that the, the meteorite that crashed in Wakanda was actually like a Cree vessel or something that, I guess, was morphing or whatever. And so all they got was the metal that was left over. It must have been a gigantic vehicle of some type. And not only did they, I mean, everything that they've got is derived from the Cree. The Cree blood, because we know from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that Cree blood's being used to do other things. So when Cree blood is synthesized in a certain way, it would Captain America somebody. Or you know, super soldier serum them, which is enhance that person. Um, so if you're a good guy like Steve, you become a super good guy. If you're a bad guy like the Red Skull, you become a super bad guy. And, you know, if you're an a-hole, well, dang, we're all screwed. <laughs> no, but it's just a theory of mine. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. I just think it's all tied together, and Marvel's done a really good, uh, well, really good job of that. I, I agree with you somewhat. But the thing is, I don't think this ties into the really big picture of what's going to be next. And the fact is, I do think the mutant leader is somewhat responsible. But I mutant think leader? I mean, no, he's just the oh, leader. No, the, the leader. The sorry, leader, yeah. I didn't mean to say mutant. I'm just sorry. sorry. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. But I think the leader is. Um, I think pulling he's the strings. A, a, no, he's a pawn. The leader is a pawn. Yeah. Of who? Kang. Kang. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a possibility, and, and only time will tell. If that, and you know, forward or back, of whether or not that is the case. Um, I think Kang, well, either that, okay, so what I think is happening, the the leader mm -hmm. is a pawn for MODOK, and then MODOK is a pawn for... And we have not watched the, the MODOK series. We watched the first episode. Well, no, 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 MODOK, that show has nothing to do with... I'm just saying that because oh, that's wait. the only MODOK that's been, you know, Yeah, well, publicized like that. But no, MODOK is going to be, I think, in uh, Quantumania. And I think it's good. It's going to leader, Modoc, and then Kang. So far, I think that's how it's going. Okay. Uh, one more um, thing up on the wall, and that is Daredevil's costume. Yeah. Now, uh, the the thing that I think Kirk and the others missed is that Daredevil's costume, the the yellow and red one, 
is actually the original costume that Daredevil fought in and in his early comic books written by Stan Lee and drawn by Bill Everett. So this is a throwback. Um, and Daredevil's gone back to these, you know, this costume from time to time. I guess you could say the blind man chose the color scheme. <laughs> but didn't Matt Murdock yeah. say that he bought suit plural? Yes, he multiple. did. He did. So I think he bought this one, right? Mm-hmm. And he got his original regular red suit. And then I think he got my favorite, my personal favorite, the black and red suit. Hmm. I don't know. And, and we'll get to see that when we see the Daredevil series Born Again coming up yes. next year uh, at some point. I don't know if it's going to be a, a, a good retelling of the Frank Miller, David Mazzuchelli series. I can hope that they do that. But they've already hurt that uh, in the, the death of uh, Ben Urich. Though that could be a different universe altogether. I don't know what they're going to say. Wait, wait, we don't truly know yeah, but, all of it yet. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I mean, that just happy to see any Daredevil on the screen. Charlie Cox yes. is uh, rocking it. Uh, but I got to be honest, I do want somebody else back too. I need John Bernthal. I John need... Bernthal is the Punisher, yeah. John, I, I, what I really want to see in total is a movie with Spider-Man. Daredevil, Punisher, and Deadpool. What, no Wolverine? Well, Wolverine doesn't have to be near Spider-Man, but hey, it'd be a plus. <laughs> Depends <laughs> now, on who plays him. We'll talk more about Wolverine as, as time goes on. Chris had some theories and, and thoughts about um, the Deadpool movie, but we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that later. I think, though, we've said pretty much everything we need to say oh, yeah. in regards to She-Hulk, and we're looking forward to the finale next week. We hope you guys have enjoyed this. We're trying to keep it short. I think we're under 25 minutes, so I think we've uh, done good. Uh, you guys have a great week, and we'll be back next week with our discussion on the finale. Mm -hmm. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Adios. for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. 
Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.